0: This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Slackers, your workplace communication hub for lazy losers. If you're looking for an easy way to communicate about ideas that never actually get done, try Slackers. If you're looking for a discount or a website, we haven't really figured any of that out yet, but uh, maybe one day. Slackers, where work happens eventually.
1: Now on the show. Ugh. You make it sound as though you've just woken up from a deep slumber, which, in so many ways, <laughs> this
0: podcast is waking up from a deep slumber. We're groggy. We're here to be antisocial, and we're here to fall back asleep again. Welcome Hi. back, everybody. Um, I would say we're sorry it's been so long. I am sorry it's been so long. I'm deeply it, sorry it's, it's been true. so long.
1: But not, not for anybody out there listening. I'm, I'm mostly sorry because I really like doing this show. I like making the time to do this show. But I got to tell you, folks, you know, life is pretty indifferent to this podcast sometimes and to and, everything I like. <laughs> and
0: in all fairness, we did record an episode that you'll never hear because it got lost to the sands of time. But it was about westerns, and it was pretty cool. But I,
1: I, I still firmly believe that we should re-record it.
0: Maybe. One, like, not the same episode, but we could do not a Not the same episode sometime. at all,
1: but do some sort of crystallization of, uh, like, our our three favorite, collectively three favorite
0: western movies. That's fair. Something like that. I think that would be reasonable. So for today, should we get more into the favorite albums? Because I feel like usually we talk about... Um, like we do a brief discussion about the movies we've been watching the games we've been playing we could do that but should we just cut to the chase because i feel like people who are listening to this album probably just want or this podcast (laughs) probably just want to hear us talk about music
1: uh yeah i mean sure i I mean we could always briefly touch on what we've been kind of consuming after no that feels weird Okay. Whatever. You're flying in the, you're spitting in the I face mean, of so show, show flow, I just man.
0: don't want everybody to be like, well, we don't care about half life. Well, they can skip ahead five okay. minutes then. Okay. Fair enough.
1: If you don't, if you don't care what we
0: do in our free time, skip ahead five minutes. Okay. Fair enough. Go ahead. What have you been, what have you been doing for games? Cause I know we have a little bit more, uh, stuff to talk about for games than usual. We, we hadn't been playing too many games for a while. Uh,
1: I've I've also stagnated a little bit. I need to fix that. Maybe I'll do that tonight a little bit. Uh, but uh, I've still just been kind of gently chiseling away at Red Dead Redemption 2. It's one we recorded since it came out? We recorded, yeah. The well, Western one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In which we, we waxed lyrical about Red Dead Redemption 2. Obviously, it's been out for a long time. We bought it opening day. Yeah, or the day after. Yeah because we're really hardcore like that and uh and it goes without saying it's amazing it's been the subject of some kind of reproach in terms of people whining about the open world aspects and just various different things have been criticized since it came out but let's let's be real with ourselves here folks it's an incredibly good game.
0: And everyone loves it. It's going to win every yeah. every game of the year award that there is to win. Probably. And and
1: if you look for flaws in, you know anything, the Mona Lisa, the Arc de Triomphe, the hamburger, you're going to find flaws. But that's because you're looking for them. And I think people just like to be critical because it makes them feel special when their opinions don't match up with everybody else's. So I've been playing. Red Dead Redemption 2, and like I said, kind of nibbling away at it, trying to make it last as long as possible. It's very good. It is uh, it is flawed, of course, as any game will be, as anything will be, and especially a game of that size, I think, it, flaws within it are inherent. But yeah. I mean, you just take those, you eat the gristle with the meat, and you enjoy yourself. So I've been doing that. I started playing Odin Sphere. What's the subtitle? Odin Sphere left Thresher. Left Thresher, uh, on Vita a bit. a remake a bit. of Odin Sphere. Okay, it's kind of a side-scrolling. Would you call it a beat 'em up? I would call it yeah, probably it's like heavily, a, an
0: action RPG with beat 'em up elements. Combo
1: based. There's lots of different things you can do. The artwork's very, very beautiful. It's very Japanese, in in its stylings and origins too, actually. And I have been really enjoying it, I have to say. It's kind of, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's switch your brain off fun, but it's far more in that camp than, like, say, Red Dead yeah. Redemption is. well,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: So I've been doing that. I've been reading a lot. I'm currently reading, like, three books at once, which I hate Huge doing. But, but it's one of those things where I have so many beautiful, great books that I'm so excited to read. And I just kind of get it into my head that I want to read this, I want to read that, I want to read that. Still reading Infinite Jest, and I will be for the foreseeable future. I'm reading uh, the first of Cormac M- McCarthy's Border Trilogy. I've just kind of started in on that. And I've actually been blazing through The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pynchon, which is incredibly weird story of this woman, this married woman who comes into an inheritance of one of her past boyfriends, who is this, like, wealthy, strange, strange eccentric, like, millionaire kind of thing. And it's her going through the, like, legal process of kind of disseminating his will. Well, that sounds riveting. It's very weird. There's a scene early on where she's in a hotel room, and she knocks over a can of hairspray, and he, like... Pinching goes into like vivid detail just explaining how the can of hairspray ricochets around off the walls for like three minutes. Like it's total slapstick. It's It was weird. It had me giggling, but it is very weird. Like it's incredibly strange. Whether or not that's a good thing remains to be seen. I'm kind of on the fence, but it it's uh, writing is beyond reproach, the mechanics of it. So that's kind of what I've been up to, and I won't get into music because we're about to get into that. I haven't been watching many films that I would consider uh, worthy of of mentioning. Um, uh, My girlfriend and I have been watching Blue Planet a lot, and it is actually amazing. Have you you made it to the Green Seas portion of that?
0: I'm only interested in deep sea fishes, dude. (laughs) No, have you? No, I've only watched the deep sea ones. That's what you think. Okay.
1: You're only interested in the deep sea. Okay, well, it's not well, true, you though. You get into I'm, the coral reef. I love whales. They've got... Okay, they've got these sea cucumbers. Do they have whales? We're going to deviate and go to sea cucumbers first. Of course they have whales. Hmm. Sperm whales. Is sea cucumbers? Yep. And uh, they're these sea cucumbers that, like, pop up out of holes. And they've got these creepy little mouths in kind of the center... In the center of this thing that looks like a really sparse cauliflower. And it's got I all these arms these that reach up into the water with these kind of like filtery type things on them. It looks like they've got a bunch of little trees stemming up in a circle around this little pit mouth. And these arms, quote unquote, these appendages, gather. It's like microscopic organisms they need to survive. And they literally take, like, one arm and stick it, like, way down in their mouth, pull it back out, and, like, suck off all the... And they just do that, like, over and over again. And they've got probably eight or ten of these appendages. Very strange. Weird. Some really interesting and really beautiful animals in there. Like uh, the yellowfin tuna, I think it is. Have you ever, like, actually seen one of those? I don't know. They are, like, in terms of, you look at that and the color combination, oh my word. It's, like, silver, like, a chrome silver, and then a beautiful, like, exquisite royal blue color, and then, like, a bright, popping yellow, like, almost like the cover of this book. Very nice. Like, just gloriously beautiful creatures. And, uh, I, I just like watching all that beautiful footage of creation and...
0: David Attenborough it, is an institution.
1: It's just a marvel just seeing all that footage that they've gotten. So, I wasn't expecting to hey, wax you, that poetic. You've taken
0: on up seven now. and a half minutes already with that. That's fine. Let me, I'm going to say. I it.
1: guarantee you that everybody ing- enjoyed hearing about this. The Blue
0: Planet, all of that BBC David Attenborough stuff is so good. I think that we're going to look back in 50 years and be like, they did a great work. Um, they like showcasing what we knew at the time. That's what I was saying to Hannah. As I was, I said, "This is
1: this is like a a service. Definitely, this is this is very important. This is archiving the planet like for sure, nature, and also what we
0: know about it. Because you look at the old Blue Planet and then the new Blue Planet, which is like ten or twelve years later, and all the new stuff they discovered in the ten or twelve years is wacky. Yeah, I watched like one of them and then maybe a day or two later watched the new one. Yeah." yeah it's crazy it's very important stuff um okay so for books i've been chipping away at uh, joseph conrad's heart of darkness and i mean (laughs) it's a it's a small book and i haven't been reading much all 60 pages Um, of it yeah but it's it is dense and i haven't been reading very much um most of what i've been doing is i've been playing games i played through all of red dead redemption which we'll have to talk about sometime Um, And then after that, I started a legendary PC game called Half-Life 2, which is kind of considered, like, one of the defining points of, like, a narrative-based first-person shooter.
1: Probably one of the Uh, defining points of games.
0: Definitely, yeah. But
1: in kind of... It's interesting, because it's... I think of it as defining... I don't know, like, anything about the story, really, or, like, just what I've seen of you playing... But it's really avoided the limelight because I think it's not on console.
0: Um, it's, the thing, though, is that the PC community have kept it in the limelight for like 15 years, and they've actually overhyped it insanely, I would say. The amount they want Half-Life 3 is, I'm like, people, there aren't actually that many people who want it. It's just like a vocal minority who started talking about it when they were like 14, and now they're like 30, and they're still talking about it. <laughs> um but it's i mean it's an amazing game and it's really cool to see how well a game like that can hold up over mo- like it was i was like i was like five when it was released interesting um, that's
1: crazy to think about uh-huh
0: and then i have uh i've been playing muramasa rebirth which was made by the same company as odin sphere the game grant is playing the we same got developers right yeah the same developers yeah. we got both of them on a sale together it's been super fun I, w- I don't need to bore you guys with nerdy details. It's a, it's a very nerdy game. Um, it's similar, though. It's like a side-scrolling action with some RPG elements. Uh, very Japanese. This beautiful, like, painterly art style. Like, really incredibly impressive art style. Um, like, you could hang some of that stuff on your wall from Muramasa. It's fantastic. You really fantastic. could.
1: It's, I, I really enjoy a game where uh, the aesthetic is parallax scrolling layers that look very 2d it's and so very good. very painted and very hand drawn mm-hmm. i really enjoy that aesthetic and you don't really see it in enough child of light one of your favorite games is Love another game. is another um, instance of that where... i still
0: think that's one of the most beautiful games ever made yeah it um. well
1: it is it is the thing is it's got a voice games like that have their own voice
0: oh it has personality in spades yeah um and and muramasa has this awesome super japanese story that reminds me of like a kurosawa film in terms of you can follow it and it's interesting and it's kind of funny because it's so absurd but they knew it was absurd yep and like Um, the whole, one of the main, there are two main storylines in the game and one of them, the whole storyline follows this guy like trying to get his sword and he like descends into the depths of hell and then he tries to like get into heaven because he (laughs) thinks they might have his sword and you're like battling up through the clouds like these divine beings. It's like, it's just ludicrous, but it's really campy in a great way.
1: It really taps into what the author Neil Gaiman is so enthralled with mythology right and yeah. and the grand big strokes that mythology paints with it's uh it's kind of almost a lost art especially for us north americans who like our stories to be really grounded and uh even our superhero yeah. Superhero t- narratives are grounded Everyone's like and I like gritty. Batman because he could be a real man. And we've we're kind of missing out, I think, definitely. on on the story of a swordman who travels to hell and heaven to to find
0: his sword. Um, and I think definitely the defining like one of the defining moments so far in Muramasa was when Grant was watching me play just for a couple minutes and I'd come to like a boss scene. And your character's just talking to these, like, run-of-the-mill ninjas, and they're saying, like, they're going to kill him. And I'm saying to Grant, like, there's no way we're going to fight these dudes. we got to fight somebody (laughs) way cooler. And then they keep talking like that, and I'm like, I guess we are. That's weird. Like, sorry to disappoint you, Grant. You're just going to have to watch this. And then, like, from off screen, some guy's like, stop. And it's, like, literally this, like, 15-foot-tall fat ninja with, like, a shuriken as big as you are tied to a chain tied to a stick that he's swinging around. And you're like, okay, that's more like it. It's totally awesome. Um, and then the one film that I want to highlight quickly, and I really think we should do a review of this film that we watched for the first time, is called Beasts of No Nation. Oh. Um, it's this Netflix original epic that I would put on par or above anything else Netflix has done. I would say maybe Stranger Things and the documentary series Dirty Money are the two other things that I would put on Icarus, the same level. Icarus, too. They did Is do that Icarus. a Netflix original? Yeah, I believe. Okay, I we think can, so. We can put Icarus up there, too. I love it. Um... But Beasts of No Nation is like a a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie about this young boy in war-torn Africa. How did I forget about this? um, Who is half-pressed and half-decides to become a child soldier. And it tells a story of this weird kinship that he has in his unit, but also the way that the children are really abused and taken advantage of in different ways. Um, It's very harrowing. It's very difficult to watch at times. And cinematically, it's not the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, but the story is so strong and it's really something that should be told and should be considered more often. Um, I think it's really special and I think we got to review it soon. Cinematically, in terms
1: of it not being the most beautiful thing, I'd say that that's good because the story is really, is really tough and really terrible and it's very grounded in reality in terms of uh like this really happens yeah kids little little kids eight nine ten years old really are out there in in africa or have been out there and they're killing people and it's just a completely foreign idea idea it's (laughs) insane and so when you have a film, and and Beasts of No Nation would be, we talked about this, the perfect companion to Apocalypse Now.
0: Very reminiscent of Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse
1: Now has those arresting visuals because the whole premise of the film is how surreal and how strange that war was, uh, being the Vietnam War. And I think that Beasts of No Nation cinematography is on par with that because... It chimes with the um, the kind of soiled grandeur of, of these African people and their kind of twisted nobility. I think that it. I think it's more serviceable and more appropriate than it might f- at first glance appear.
0: Let's leave it for the review. So I'll fight you. Okay. I kind of agree, but I kind of don't. I feel like people say that movies look like documentaries as an excuse to shoot crappy footage. (laughs) Because look at Icarus or Dirty Money. Those are beautiful. So. But that's it.
1: So, 2018. It has been 2019 now for... When do
0: we play the music? Shortly. Okay. Shortly, brother. Don't worry.
1: It's been 2019 now for like over a month. And now we're just looking back on 2018 you and I can both agree it was a fairly barren year for bands that we were really into or music that was
0: uh, pulsating brightly on our radars I will say that uh, I actually wrote down here uh, as far as I'm aware there were only two albums that came out this year from artists that I really followed and enjoyed and one of those was a total disappointment and one was good but not amazing yeah so that's everything else, like, I had to go out and find. Yeah. So, so we've
1: uh, we've done our best. It will not be, in my case at least, a traditional, like, top five. I'm going to – I will definitely have more of a concrete top three-ish, and then I will highlight some of the other stuff I listen to that I consider to be good. But I just don't – I really don't feel comfortable taking five of these and going – these are my top five albums of 2018 even though they might be they just don't feel like they've earned that
0: and now i feel like and you can roll the music
1: is this is this oh yeah Yeah. i feel like
0: too that it's extremely important which is why we're saying this over the theme music to note that this is in no way a definitive list of the best albums that came out in the year these are our lists of the favorite our favorite stuff that we heard that came out this year um it is limited to albums that were released in calendar 2018 otherwise uh licensed still by the beastie boys would have won yeah as that was probably my favorite album that i discovered it's, that's in my top 2 favorite albums that i discovered in 2018 no doubt in my or no doubt in my mind um i have gone a different route than grant i have ranked my top 7 albums but really only like the top 3 or 4 are like the core ones um and then i've given a I've given a highly specialized award to every other album I reviewed.
1: You're listening to the Good Ship Brothership. If you didn't know that, 20 minutes in, uh, it's the uh, only arts podcast to focus on music, gaming, literature, film, music, film, film, music, gaming, literature, and tech deck dudes. Yeah, we should do a review of tech deck dudes. <laughs> I'm Grant. And this is my brother Jason. Hello again. And this is our albums, top albums of 2018, or just. Plain old
0: albums of 2018, maybe. Our favorite albums of 2018. <laughs> I think it was actually a lot better than you give it credit for. It probably was, but when you... I think it just coming off of the...
1: Off of 2017, and even 2016.
0: Which, this is our third yes. top albums, Which is nuts, eh? I have a Gian Gomeshi styled op-ed that I wrote. Oh, dear. It's actually not. It's like four sentences.
1: But... Uh, Coming off the back of last year, where we were almost overwhelmed with, like, a tidal wave of incredibly high-caliber music that came out that we were excited to listen to to begin with, this year has been kind of barren, in a way. I think... Oh, don't
0: start. In hindsight, 2018 was almost, like, doomed to fail before it even got off the ground. Because it was destined to live in the shadow of 2017, which is certainly the best year we've had for music since I've been, like, conscious of new music coming out. Um, And for the first nine or ten months of the year, I would at least monthly find somebody new to complain about, like, oh, this is such a crappy year for music. Um, Until we really started doing research, maybe, like, November, December, I start to kind of do some Googling around, um, try and find some interesting albums. And then I started to realize it really wasn't half as bad as I thought it was, but I mean, it's no, <laughs> it's no 2017. But but that's I mean, fine. although when you think about it,
1: too, 2016, which I think was our first episode ever, yeah, we had Leonard Cohen, "You Want It Darker," we had Nick David Cave. Bowie's "Black Star," Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh, what's it called, Skeleton Tree, mm-hmm. all three of which are like incredibly good albums for me and i would i would put each of those up potentially in my top 100 albums of all time
0: De- for sure black star i'd be mean, for sure you want it darker and probably black star but, but yeah. it's not a 2016 review episode. no
1: but i'm just saying don't don't you know don't give all the glory to 2017 2016 had some like yeah that's true i had a couple really exceptional albums in it
0: okay now how do you want to do this should i start with my awards for albums that are the least good yeah yeah okay so what i did i might have forgotten a couple but i think i made awards for every mediocre album that i listened to this year (laughs) um and there's like uh six or seven of these um let's see so the album that may or may not grow on me as i listen to it more which i probably will award goes to glory sound prep by john bellion um, which is like a hip-hop rap sort of thing with a little bit of EDM mixed in. It's kind of interesting. I don't think it's low quality. I think in the coming months I might kind of enjoy it a little bit, but, you know, I only it's listen it. It's got a lot of gloss ones. on it, doesn't it? Yeah. The uh, Albums That Broke My Heart Award actually has a runner-up and a winner. The runner-up was Sun City by Khaled. Um, in 2017, I think, he released it Broke your heart in a bad way yeah like let you down the most. Yeah. yeah disappointed me yeah um was sun city by Khaled in 2017 american teen came out his debut lp and we said to ourselves like it wasn't mind-blowing but it was really impressive for like a 19 year old has some fantastic songs on there yeah then this album it's kind of like a it's like seven tracks so i don't know what you call that
1: that's an album
0: it comes out and it really didn't have that much that caught my eye it's not bad But it's not as good as American Teen. It was just so like, eh, you know, that it didn't stick.
1: Black Star, seven tracks.
0: And then the winner for me, for albums that broke my heart, was Go to School by the Lemon Twigs. This one's kind of understandable. It's actually the score for their musical, so it's definitely possible that you're missing something just by listening to it as an album. But it's like this exhaustive, like, 16-track concept (laughs) album about a chimpanzee who's adopted by humans, and then he like learns their ways he goes to school hence the title of the album he gets bullied and then he gets stronger and then he <laughs> breaks out i think he i don't know if he kills people or if he just breaks out and stuff and then he runs into the, <laughs> it's the like wild it's like a really it's like a really ill conceived Stuart little oh, there's one good song on it and it's not even that good i'm so just, ugh. okay the next award goes to artists that artists that is mediocre now but could be really good in the future, and it's Snail Mail with the album Lush. Um, Snail Mail got a little bit of notoriety a couple of years ago because she was like a kid who was freaking out at a St. Vincent concert because oh, she really loves St. Vincent. Um, so it sounds kind of like St. Vincent, but it's a little bit more chill. It's like after-party music. Um, it has some interesting ideas. The album itself is kind of meh, but I'm actually looking for big things because she's like 18 or something.
1: I was pretty, uh, I was pretty meh on it too. Although, you know, you listen to the album my band made when I was 19 or whatever and you decide who's better. Exactly.
0: Next up is the most fine album of the year, but like, eh, it's fine. Not like, dang, that's a fine turtleneck award. Goes to Passwords by Dawes. (laughs) I tried to listen to this album a few times because Liam Good, our close friend and confidant, loved this album. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's just nothing that's that good about it.
1: Here's the problem with Liam. If you're listening to this, Liam, when Liam made a wet slapping sound as he fell out of the birth canal, he was a dad.
0: Yeah, it's he was. Definitely he was born music. a dad. Yeah.
1: And Dawes, I'm sorry, forgive me, is dad music. Yeah, it's inoffensive. It's a little rock and roll, but oh, oh, don't get too rock and roll. Yeah. Don't put don't put too much pepper on my chicken strips. And that's that's fundamentally my problem with Dawes. Uh, my it makes me want to put ice in my core's light. <laughs> yeah, and it makes me want to eat ranch dressing with my hands. But this uh, <laughs> is my uh, my my notes for it I, as I listen to it for the first time. Killer guitar work as always, yeah, is always. Yeah, that's true. Fair. Like their their guitar playing is really solid it's very serviceable their tones are very i would call it serviceable more than killer are very good yeah well i didn't i just say serviceable you said killer guitar work yeah well that's literally what i have written down yeah it's it's good it's tasteful yeah uh album opens with living in the future a somewhat meandering track which attempts to sound timely with while a tasty blues lick trolls along in the background and uh it does just attempt to sound timely from a yeah. from kind of a dad standpoint uh, of, like, all these dang kids and their cellular telephones. Uh, Daw's themes have always struck me as coming from a distinctly middle-aged perspective. And uh, kind of low-key, dire straits vibe to some tracks, but somewhat missing the excellent sense of, like, location, place, that Mark Knopfler lends his writings.
0: That's definitely fair uh my next award is album that i just couldn't listen to for more than two minutes because it was fake country and that goes to an album called golden hour by casey musgraves um i found i think i was on some noisy list or something and they were like oh man and i tried to listen to it and then i think i switched to another track and i was just like and then i had to turn it off (laughs) um The next award goes to the album with the best album art relative to the actual quality of the music, which is Dirty Money by Janelle Monae. Yeah. Um, Do you see what that album is? Or Dirty Computer? Dirty Computer. Sorry. I have it written down as Dirty Computer. Okay. Um, But that's the second time I've called it Dirty Money today, like either (laughs) on my phone or here. You listen to that album? Yeah, it wasn't very good. No? No.
1: Okay. I'm going to say something controversial. Are you ready? Yeah. We're not going to redact this. I Googled best albums of 2018, and I looked at several different lists, 75% of what I saw was women.
0: Now, and Pro, actually, Same here. I'm, I'm gonna say well, we, 80%. Had, we had a conversation about this where I said there was, I think there was one guy in the top ten for, like, Noisy, maybe. And, maybe that
1: was the case, but I doubt it. If you want equality, so. do five and five. You know, if you don't want equality, if you want the best, the best albums, I mean, go ahead. Maybe all the best albums were women, but as somebody who I do struggle to connect with a female singer, just because I am not a female. And for some weird reason, my brain has like a barrier of like, I feel removed, I guess. Yeah. um, I'm listening to a a female singer. It's not, and, and there are female singers who are massive exceptions to that rule. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I do look more for, male-fronted art uh artists
0: i have a pretty good mix of both but i hear you it was almost all women it's like
1: all women and i I I just i just felt inherently suspicious i just
0: have one more award just because i want this to be recognized because every time we review an album with this quality it's like half of my review album with the shortest tracks which i'm a sucker for yes was be the cowboy by mitski which is 14 tracks and 32 minutes long (laughs) two minutes and 18 seconds per song the album itself has some decent songs. Lonesome Love is pretty good, but it's more or less the same song over and over again to varying degrees of success. Sure. So, you know. Okay, so that's my awards. So now what I have is I have seven albums ranked from worst to best, but you can call it a top three and four honorable mentions.
1: Sure. Uh, so uh, do you want me to, uh, to do one of my kind of quote-unquote honorable mentions and then you'll... Hit it! Hit us with number seven.
0: Sure. Or you can do one, and then I'll do two, but I'll be really quick or something. Sure. I have. How many do you have? have? Let's see. Well, not counting
1: not counting passwords by Dawes, which I kind of blew my load on already. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, that's
0: fine. Go for it then.
1: So my first the first album I'll highlight is Trench by Twenty One Pilots. I listened to this on the suggestion of Liam, the dad man, who is actually, will be a father uh, in a couple months. Finally. Despite the fact that (laughs) he- It's been a long time coming. Yeah.
0: 23 years in the making. Anyway.
1: And, and this album is pricey sounding. The production and mixing is totally five stars. You couldn't get more pristine. You couldn't get more balanced if you tried. No no matter who you paid. And that has its own appeal to it. If you're looking for something to kind of bob your head to or tap your foot or, you know, crank at a house party, whatever. Uh, I found the the lyrical content and the musical content fairly samey from a 21 Pilots perspective. I've listened to a little bit of their stuff because they're so universally acclaimed from music fans and kind of casual music listeners alike Mm -hmm. so they really
0: span that gulf and i really meant to listen to this album this year but it's like the one i didn't get around to like the top thing of my that would have been next i doubt you missed much you don't think so
1: i doubt it Uh, some lyrics (laughs) are eerily close to those of somewhat cringy christian rappers and spoken word poets i've seen in the local circuit just in terms of... Are they Christian or not? No. No? Not, not, okay. Well, not to my knowledge anyway. Just in terms of... You know, and this silence. I'm fighting the violence. All I hear are violence. You know, like that. Just the kind of... Yeah. Kind of, ooh, he's so
0: edgy. It's hurting my... And my in the seat of my depression, I struggled against society's repression. Yeah. I'm sorry for this digression, but I must commit these transgressions. There you go. <laughs> that was pretty well, that good. Was good.
1: That was four lines. That's pretty good. So it was, it was just kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of style and not much substance. And I just can't get into this high, high, high polished sound that they have where, you know, it... I don't know if it's the guy's voice or what, or their instrumentation. They're undoubtedly incredibly talented as a musical collective, but I just can't gain access when I, when I fail to find
0: a human element. Yeah, that's definitely fair.
1: So that's my thoughts on Trench.
0: Okay, so my number seven. Really, you can take my rankings with a grain of salt until you get to the top three, but yeah. I rank them anyways. And let me just
1: say, trench is probably worth a listen
0: i should listen to it um my number seven is a whole effing lifetime of this by american pleasure club um i'm super mixed on this album some of the high points of this album could have vaunted it up to like third or something like that but then it has some parts that really annoy me it's a mix of would you say shoegazy that oh, At yeah. times, oh, yeah. it's shoegazy at times, it's, like, folk at times, it's alt at times, and I would say two-thirds of the time it works nicely, and one-third of the time it's like, eh, it doesn't work very well. Um, like, the first three, four tracks are really strong, then you kind of struggle, and I How actually... How many tracks is the album? Uh, like, about ten. Okay. It's a good line. Not bad, though. Ten or twelve. Um, and I'll come back to this with a couple different albums, it's just the inconsistency that kept it down for me. Hmm um particularly there's one intro I think they meant it to be jarring you come off the back of this chill alt kind of folk song which is beautiful and then the intro goes into this is this really frenetic high-paced kind of canned beat sort of thing and I guess they meant it to be jarring but it bothered me so much I would actually like have a hard time sitting through it like I would just like want to skip it it's like exactly not what I'm looking for when I come off this like One guitar with a nice voice, like, sad song or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like when your alarm goes off in the morning, all of a sudden when you're having a really nice dream or something. (laughs) Um, Overall, though, totally worth a listen. Like I said, two-thirds good, one-third not as good. American Pleasure Club, a whole effing lifetime of this.
1: My next album will be No Banquet by... Or no, No Bouquet. <laughs> Lol, oh, dirty money, dirty computer, dirty, yeah, dirty no, banquet, no banquet, uh, no bouquet. By all, get out. Uh, which was another suggestion from one of my friends to listen to. Uh, it's it kind of runs in that along that same road as mid two thousands, like as we were. As we were veering away from pop rock, or like emo rock and that sort of thing, and you got bands like Amberlynn and the Christian Circuit, who would do these kind of two or three guitar bands. Like Three Days Grace almost. No, Three Days Grace is more like grunge inflected though. Like, this is more... more, You're talking like clean heel stuff. This is more like early killers, kind of, but without the... The kind of sexy edge that they had. Hmm. Get your foot off of my foot. Sorry. Right. And and you've kind of got these weird meandering, more melodic, melodic rock kind okay. of thing. So that's how I describe All Get Out. The opening track has these beautiful kind of swooning lyrics, kind of in the style of Connor Oberst. Mm-hmm. And that song is entitled Rose. Definitely worth a listen. Very good. Uh, and but the pop punk kind of melodic rock stylings of the album as a whole definitely feel somewhat dated and as I was listening to it it was kind of kind of made me think wow people are still making and listening to this kind of music not not that not that I think that you should kind of scrap a genre and move on but it was it's it's that awkward stage where it's just old enough. It's totally not retro.
0: It's just yesteryear. Isn't it weird how great music is timeless, but a lot of good music is very much like a time and place thing? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, totally. Totally. And this makes me feel like, you know, sweatbands on your wrists and uh,
0: Converse. Are you trying uh, to tell me I should change my fashion style? That sure is
1: not working for you. Anyway, there there is a great dynamic range in the songs, and it is too common to have songs which stick to the same tenor or the same mm-hmm. pitch throughout their entire running time. These songs really rise and fall and swell and surge and that all that. Uh, but at the end of it, it didn't. It was not something that really stuck with me. I didn't feel myself really desiring to go back to it. But it's got a good energy. It's very well produced. The guitars sound great. Um, and I have written down here standout track namesake
0: oh yeah I do have standout tracks for all the albums go after this one cool okay so my sixth album is boarding house reach
1: by Jack White okay there you go
0: um, I was struck when I was making I was making notes for this album just like a couple hours ago and you might completely disagree with this but you're free to be wrong I kind of came to the realization that, in my mind at least, Jack White is to music in a lot of ways what Quentin Tarantino is to film, where, like, he is a genius and he is his own worst enemy. And for these albums that we already talked about, I'm going to try and be extra brief, because if you're that interested, you can listen to our review, and at the end of the day, you should listen to this album. It's a good album. Um... And it's really Jack White's return to form in a lot of ways. You have songs, my standout tracks were Corporation, Ice Station, Zebra, and Get in the Mineshaft. And all of those are so good. Even the titles. Yeah, they're <laughs> so good. But then you have stuff like the song uh, Esmeralda Steals the Show, where I'm like, it's slow, it's plotting, it's like Jack White, it's like Jack White thinks that, he has to do this to be a real artist or something. I don't know. It's Or he has to do it to make a Jack White album. Like Quentin Tarantino has to have blood to make it a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. But it's like, all it does is it just like slows you down. It's like you getting caught up in the mud of Jack White tropes. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, I have here, my note uh, says, at times this album is, all in caps, maze balls.
1: Wow. And it's other right times,
0: off. it falls flat on its face.
1: You're really keeping up with the pants. Yeah.
0: And I su- said uh, that I would sum it up like this. Your enjoyment of this album is probably going to be directly correlated to how big of a Jack White fan you are. So for me, that means that it's mostly good, but it's not all good.
1: That's it. My next uh, my next pick is Micro Shift by Hookworms, Ooh. which is an album I literally just discovered today. Uh, the lead singer this of this band was embroiled in a sexual assault scandal like everybody seems to be now. And the band My belt is completely undone. Speaking
0: of which <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this will be the I final know.
1: episode of the Good Shit Brothers. I don't know why. Like as, I mean... as we have just become involved in some weird incestuous I don't know, I don't know when I went to the bathroom last but my belt is oh just Oh my goodness. Hang in there. You are a mess. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. If we can regroup after that, <laughs> really, like, serendipitous that timing. That
0: scared me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. shift <Micro-shift> by Hookworms. <laughs> Sexual assault thing. The band is no longer even together. They disbanded, like, mere months after releasing this album and beginning the tour, which is too bad. However, if that's the conviction of the other bandmates, uh, then that's what you have to do. You have to stick to your own convictions in the face of something like that. Something as serious as what it sounds like he was involved in. But the album itself, I think, stands alone from that. Certainly does for me anyway. And it's got some really interesting kind of experimental stuff. I played one track for you. And uh, the album, while some of the tracks are definitely overlong and would benefit from a, a trimming, has some good dynamics in it. Some exquisitely lush synths, would you agree? Yeah. And some really kind of crunchy, saturated drum beats. Uh, Big uh, worlds of kind of ethereal, ambient, swirling kind of sounds. Mixed in with kind of live, human-propelled instrumentation. Electric Mm -hmm. guitars, bass drums and some really kind of soaring tenor vocals you pointed out that it's kind of reminiscent of Mute Math and I would agree with that but I it's think a little bit more out there. there it is more out there and I think the vocals have a bit more strain to them one of the things I never really liked about Mute, Mute Math was that the vocals were all kind of in the same really range floaty and very floaty and Palmini has always sounded a little too comfortable in his vocals for my opinion uh, it it is a, it is a good album. It's very very much worth a listen, especially if you're into something like Pink Floyd, but don't be expecting any kind of Dave Gilmore guitar solos instead look for something more along the lines of like dirty projectors or something like that where you've got really strange looped uh, samples of like a human voice that's been processed or something like that. It's a very interesting, very evocative album. And uh, probably something I'll return to in the future, just to kind of solidify my opinion on it. But until then, it is relegated to
0: wherever it now falls on my on my list. My fifth entry is All the Things That I Did and All the Things That I Didn't Do by the Milk Carton Kids, which is another album that we already talked about. Oh, Lord. Um What? <laughs>
1: I, I enjoy the milk carton kids, but yeah, I can't remember exactly what my, what my, there's just the I one. Think you said you liked it way more than you expected. I liked it marginally more than I expected. There's one track on there. I know that I
0: absolutely hate. You broke my heart. That's the song that I hate off that album.
1: There's one that's really long. And oh, really know.
0: annoying. One more for the road, or one for the road? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Because yeah. we went on like a four-minute rant about how much we hated that. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I didn't mention that on this, but that's a good point. Um, the TLDR is that this is like a—it's a really high-quality album, but it's not really standoutish in any way. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that the Milk Carton Kids have anything less than a good album in them. Yeah, all you have to do is listen to one or two songs. I don't care who you are you can't fail to be blown away by how good their guitar work is together. Like, there's almost no duo anywhere that you can think of who, who has that great of a group dynamic for guitar.
1: I think that part of their problem, this has just occurred to me, for me anyway, and you could listen to this album and be blown away and good for you. I think part of the problem is how proficient they both are at guitar. They have gone, they've found the perfect kind of enmeshing of their guitar abilities with these kind of complex finger-picking arrangements and lead guitar played on acoustic and that sort of thing. And if they were to step down from that and play something, you know, more akin to a traditional folk song, it would feel jarring and Neanderthal in contrast to the rest of what they're doing. And that really limits them in terms of dynamically what they are capable
0: of. Now, I don't agree necessarily with all of that, but what I do think you're onto is... Is that, like, they're... It's true that they're... The nature of their albums is that they're so technically proficient. proficient. They seem to be, in a way, caught in, like, a one-upmanship race where each album has to be more technically complex than the last and don't get me wrong these guys are no uh liquid tension experiment like i think they i think they actually do a pretty good job of knowing when to back off oh yeah but at the same time this album is a win because it's a good album it's a good folk album if you like folk you should listen to it but it's also a loss because i don't think it's anything they haven't done before but better so at the same time i would say like if you're a folk fan you should listen to the milk carton kids but go listen to The Ash and the Clay or Monterey because they're better albums. So it's like a weird situation where I don't know what to say because it's a good album, but it's kind of stale in the pantheon of what the Milk Carton Kids has already done. You know, My standout tracks are Just Look At Us Now, Younger Years, great song, and All The Things, which is The Closer. It has a sweet closer. Do you remember that song? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's It's so nice. So, yeah, it's by no means a bad album, but it's only... It's only disappointing when you compare it to their past albums. For me, there are like three or four
1: bomb diggity songs on there. Yeah. Okay, my next pick. Any guesses? Uh, Historian by Lucy Dacus. No, but I was just reading. Let me see if this is still cached on my web browser. I just saw that. Oh, yeah, it will be. I just saw her on this list. And went, hey, that name sounds familiar. Now I know. Hey, you know who that is? Uh, yeah, that's from. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There you go. So this is on yeah. this this is on Indie 88's most overlooked albums of twenty eighteen. This that very album, uh, Lucy Lucy Dacus, historian. Anyway, my next album is Fight the Good Fight by the Interrupters, yeah. which is a ska album. Which we how like I think the world's been lacking some ska. For a while. Because this sounds very fresh. Yes. It sounds very fresh. It's very fun. There are inflections of like a band like The Clash or something in there. Did your
0: phone just die? No, I'm rebooting it because it was getting really laggy. So. Okay. You can take about 30 to 45 seconds oh, until my... I get this back in the room.
1: Okay. um, It's got, yeah, like inflections of The Clash or a band like that, reggae, ska, that kind of thing. But it's not as tiresome as a lot of... That music is, for me, anyway, where it kind of rests on one beat. It finds that one groove and then rides it out for, like, an entire album or song even. Uh, In the best way possible, this band sounds like a local band. Yes. They sound like that local band who everybody loves because they're high energy. They love to make music. They're always sweaty. They're always smiling on stage and they're having a great time and you can feel it through the music this is feel good music in the extreme in that there are no big topics being tackled by it there's nothing in the way of profound artistic statements it's just a ridiculously tight band making really fun music that they want to make and they're happy to be making it and they're excited to be making it and that comes across in spades on this album
0: one thing that i do disagree with and i'm going to leave the rest of it for mine because mine's coming up um is that i think they actually do tackle big topics but i think a lot of times especially in art we confuse big topics with like uh sad or depressing topics they tackle big topics but the big topics they tackle is like community and like expecting more of yourself and like these uplifting things that count as big topics. It's just that they're happy topics. It's it's also maybe, maybe they just slithered past me because I
1: was jamming out to the hot ska beats. But yeah, they are, they are in terms of musicianship. Incredible. The band is one of the tightest I've heard in a long time. You and I were just watching a live video on YouTube of one of their songs and it sounded like the album really it it does
0: the guitarist neck bait just looked like it was about to pop out of his neck the whole time yeah was he so was good. sending it yeah. they
1: all were really
0: yeah and
1: uh i i would really recommend them also in order to nullify my pr- prior point fronted by a female vocalist
0: who is phenomenal yeah she's amazing she's got a very cool voice
1: yeah very weird definitely not uh typical
0: for my fourth pick, we're going to spend a little bit of time underneath the moon side boob with oh, Tranquility no. Base Hotel and Conceito by the Did do you? I not
1: have a... I don't have anything on that album.
0: Dang, bro. What? You literally were, you were just talking with Arctic Winkies five I minutes before I literally turded the bed on that one. Well, you can join the discussion for this. Sure, time. okay. Uh, and this is another one that we reviewed, too, so I'll keep it kind of brief, too. Um, the album that they released before this, A.M., had bright spots and it was a good album, but it had us kind of worried because, like the Milk Carton Kids, it was like kind of nothing they hadn't done before but better. You know, maybe there was one or two songs that were good. I, I, they definitely didn't do anything like AM before. But it seemed like a slide towards the mainstream. It oh, seemed yeah. like a step towards selling out. Oh, and big not. Time. Um So when this album came out, the best part about this album, without a doubt, is that it completely dispelled the notion of them selling out. Because this is, like, by an order of magnitude, the least approachable album they put out.
1: When they they released AM, millions of 17-year-old girls flocked to their shows, bought their merch, bought their records, and completely fell in love with Alex Cameron and his... Alex Turner. Alex, oh my gosh, Alex Turner and his immaculate hair and the sexy songs, and they crapped... With this album all over all of those And now Alex
0: Turner, you just spat on my face, by the way. I am so sorry. Like, Alex Turner is still super hot, but now he looks like homeless. He's not the same person those girls fell in love with when he was 17. And he is weird. So this album is, technically it's a, a concept album about, like, a weird resort. Is it supposed to be on the moon? Yep. Yeah. And the one thing that it does, it doesn't really seem like that. I don't know why they said that. But the one thing that I will give them is that the best way to describe the Yellow Sound is spacey. It sounds very outer spacey, without a doubt. Um, I mean, the Arctic Monkeys are one of my favorite bands ever, for sure. They have a lot of positive assets, but some of them weren't properly used. Like, we always talk about the best musical part of the Arctic Monkeys is their drummer, Which Matthew J. Which song were listening to the other day? Um,
1: it was something off of...
0: I don't know, or Teddy Picker or D is for Dangerous or any Arctic Monkey song that's old. Pretty Visitors. He's so good. He's Pretty Visitors. He's one of the best drummers I've ever heard. And then in this album, you wouldn't <laughs> know he was there. Like, literally. He's
1: relegated to a
0: kick and a snare. Yeah. And that really sucks. And I feel like there would have been a way to make this album with good drums. <laughs> yeah. Like, you had to be able to. Yeah. Um, but overall, the instrumentation is cool. I appreciate that they put a lot of space in the songs. Um... But the album is, at the end of the day, it's fresh, it's groovy, it's interesting, even if it's at is the same a time. space pun? What?
1: You said they put a lot of space in the song? No, well, yes,
0: but okay. it wasn't on purpose. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, even if it's a bit disappointing, it's still fresh, groovy, it's interesting. I think it's still a good album. I think it's equal or better than AM, and it gives me a lot of hope for the future. Uh, my standout tracks are "Star Treatment," which is good, but then the two, like the two great tracks on the album, are the two last tracks, and that's the way to do it, if you ask me. And it's "Bat Phone" and "The Ultra Cheese," which are both. I can't sweet remember the songs. Ultra Cheese
1: much. Batphone, I think is my favorite song off the album. For me, the album is just a lot of um, poorly structured songwriting. You listen to an album like AM, and yeah, it's a bunch of pop songs, but at the same time, they're structured well, they have movement in them, you don't get bored. This album has so many songs that are just verse after verse after verse. Alex Turner has said that he... Er, Wait... (laughs)
0: I was just so anxious for you to be wrong, I guess. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're I always waiting you. for that, I'm aren't you? sorry. Just
1: like mom and dad. Aww. Just like mom and dad. Aww. anyway Anyway. <laughs> Alex, Alex. Started, you're like, anyway. <sighs> <laughs> That's my life, man. Alex Turner has said that he wrote pretty much all of this album on piano. And it really shows he plays pretty much all these songs live, I think. On keyboard or piano and he's not a good piano player he plunks out uh you know eight single note melody yeah and just chords and that really he's no matthew bellamy that really kind of pulled the album down for me it would have been much better if the keyboards were Put into the background on some of these tracks and he returned to guitar where i think he has an interesting voice but i mean as an artist you gotta follow your muse and this is for me the kind of creaking and groaning of a band that didn't release anything since 2013
0: which is insane
1: uh which is when am came out this this album is the sound of them kind of pulling themselves back onto their feet and getting ready to release something hopefully seriously good in the coming years I anticipate their next album will come out next year
0: do we each have three left because then that would work perfectly because that your discussion of uh, that album just evened out things I think
1: I've got two left
0: oh do you want me I have three do you want me to go or do you want to go
1: uh mm you might as well go we'll avoid the back-to-back thing
0: and this is the last album that I have to go uh, like my number one and two albums I can just wax poetic about they still have some issues sure yeah but this is the last one where I feel like I have to be more like but the downside my number three album is Historian by Lucy Dacus Dacus? Dacus I watched an interview sir Dacus? Dacus Um, Dacus Lucy Dacus is this relatively little-known kind of indie slash alt rock, whatever. Like all those genres that can mean a lot of different things. Um,
1: she looks pretty indie, judging by this photo. Oh, you should
0: have seen her glasses. They were nice, but oh, they boy. were really indie glasses. They're really big. Yeah, they were like this big and very <laughs> round. Um, but she seems she seems sweet. Um, she's she's like 23. This is only her second studio album. Um, in some ways, it shows. In some ways, it doesn't. This album, I am not afraid to say. I'm not ashamed to say. Without one track on this album, it would have been like in the fifth to seventh, like towards the lower end of the pack. But the opener for this album is the song called Night Shift. That's like six or six oh, and a half that's minutes her? long. Yeah. You
1: were the. Yeah. One. Yeah. Okay.
0: The opener track on this album is Night Shift. It's like six, six and a half minutes long. It is an epic song in the best way possible. It's like one of, if not the best songs to come out this year. Um, oh, for sure, buddy. For sure. Grant's making a face if like he's... If not the best? One of, if not the best songs to okay. come out this year. Um, I want to punch you. <laughs> okay, and, and I
1: will say, though, I've heard the song, and it is it is Exceptional. And the
0: rest of the album, I wish, was slightly more like it. It starts out slow. It builds over time. It has this beautiful dynamic. The vocal take's perfect. The instrumentation is nice. It's superlative. We should all take a moment to appreciate the fact that this song exists. Uh. And that's not to say that the rest of the album is not good. Because it definitely is. I think the worst this album gets is, like, decent. Um, But, I mean, that's not great when you're doing your best albums of the year award, right? I think one of the biggest issues is her writing is wildly inconsistent. And I think that maybe that's an area where her, her relative inexperience kind of leaks through a little bit. Is you'll have verses or songs or lines that are really beautiful as well written as anything that came out this year and then you have some parts of some songs that the writing's not good either just because like the uh it's not very imaginative it's really cliched or formulaic or sometimes it just doesn't fit the song like it's like she wrote the lyrics and then she wrote the song and then she tried to mash the two together but it just barely worked and sometimes it's both which really sucks Um, And I think that's easily the worst part of it. And the whole album sounds a bit too samey. But I'm also going really negative on this album because it has a lot of really nice, bright points. I think she has a unique voice, both like her literal vocal style, but then also her writing style, I think is really interesting. Um, I think she calls herself a lapsed Christian. In that I think she was a Christian for much of her life and now she's not quite so sure where she lands. And I think that makes for some interesting stories when you're writing music. And I think that's a, I think that's a perspective that we don't hear from very often or people don't want to admit that they're there. And I think that that makes the album a little bit more interesting from a storytelling perspective. Um, standout tracks are Night Shift, of course. But then also, we shouldn't discount um, songs like "Pillar of Truth" and "Historians" are both really, really fantastic songs. It's a really good album overall. Okay. Uh, so with with the
1: Interrupters, we've kind of entered the top three of albums that I I feel more strongly about this year. Is this
0: going to be Boarding House Reach?
1: Number two is Boarding House Reach. Okay. When Jack White is. <laughs> <laughs> gosh <laughs> we've entered that part of the show folks where jason makes like a high-pitched quacking <laughs> laughter nope you literally just did <laughs> and his eyes gloss over and he enters a weird dimension uh okay so when jack white released uh was it lazaretto lazaretto was, was his previous album his previous yeah and Blunderbuss was the one. Correct. Uh, it's first. The best one. Uh, I'd agree. I think I'd agree. But when he released Lazaretto, I was really pumped. He released the lead single, which was the title track. And it had that fuzz guitar. It had that rock and roll edge to it. It had his weird, weird lyrics about making models of people I used to know out of coffee and cotton. And just... Really odd stuff. It was
0: kind of a sweet album, though. But
1: I felt felt it got really bogged down in, like, seas of uh, acoustic guitars and mandolins and lap steels and cellos. Yeah, There's definitely. There's n- not a cello anywhere on that, but upright bass, that sort of thing. And uh, his live shows were very kind of anemic sounding, and, and I was very kind of disheartened he by He just
0: it. got super Jack Whitey. Like, he
1: got really lost in his, you know, historian resurrector of dead music thing. Which is probably what people would characterize him for the most in the music sphere. I As, want a guitar that can fight me, plays like a four thousand. Well crash. but he but no, but he resurrected kind of blues music with mm. the white stripes. Yeah, that's fair. And he he truly evolved the blues, not Joe Bonamassa, not Quinn Sullivan or anybody like that. Who's just playing classic 12 bar blues. But in 2018, he really did kick the blues into a new sphere. And then he kind of got stuck going, Oh, maybe I'm the guy who resurrects takes... old genres. Yeah, And, and I had said for many years that I wanted him to get back together with a four-piece band or a five-piece band, throw keyboards in there if you want to, and make rock and roll music, like make music that was his again. And that's what he's done with Boarding House Reach. Now, is it, you know, a phenomenal album? Am I going to buy it on vinyl and spin it on Sundays and just sit with my face pointing at the speakers? I'm probably not going to do that. But this album is a virtual playground of textures and colors and different sounds. It's too long. It
0: needs to lose some tracks. Some of the tracks are kind of irritating. But as Meralda steals the show, I just keep coming back to like, what made you think that was a good idea to put on the album? But this this album has so much more energy. and, And he seems
1: to have been so much more into this album. He came out on tour with it I think he's probably still touring it and he had a whole new look aesthetically Jack Mm -hmm. White's very into that and he was wearing kind of like track suits with like gold uh, tennis shoes and a gold guitar and he just seemed like he had found a new aesthetic musically and visually that he was really excited about like truly excited about and it has been a very long time, I think, since we saw that. White Stripes was always a very aesthetically oriented band. Oh, totally. And uh, and Jack White's so mindful of that. Like, more than almost any other musician working today, I'd say.
0: Just look at his album covers. have always been very, like, from uh, Day Still to uh, Lazaretto to Boarding House Reach are all very much a reflection of his aesthetic musically and physically at the yep. time. And But this album,
1: to me, just has so much fun in it, and so much strangeness, so many big primary colors kind of bouncing around. It's f- for sure not his best work lyrically. Uh, in some places, it does feel like he's
0: kind of reaching for statements that he can't quite make. Uh, Corporation and... is kind of interesting for that. I like Corporation. I think it's a good song, but it's just like... Who wants to start a corporation? And then it's just like... Who's with me? It's not really lyrically dense. It's not. I mean, his...
1: uh, For me, I think, like, his best work lyrically would be something like Fell in Love with a Girl or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is very kind of conversational, but it's still very evocative, of like a time and place. Or I can tell we're going to be friends. Like, you can, you know, you can really picture the setting and it makes you feel nostalgic and it makes you feel like you were there once many years ago and this these songs have really none of that but there's great guitar work there's great riffs there's an amazing solo in my opinion in why walk a dog i think it's i think why walk a dog is the best song on the album it's kind of like um space age blues it's wonderfully produced It's a whole cool. album and uh his solo in it is kind of kind of him taking one more stab at that screechy jack white solo but at this this point he's inverted it and the notes kind of like plunge downward as he pull it after he plays them uh, I really like that, and I really love the riff for Over and Over and Over, which is almost a, a Rage Against the Machine sounding song. It's just a record of joy, and, uh, and it's really good, in my opinion, to hear Jack White having this much fun on, on wax again, uh, especially when he took his hiatus from music, which was, did last several years. He just seemed really burnt out. He seemed almost depressed in interviews that I saw with him. And now he just seems so excited and so vibrant. And this album really reflects that. So That's yeah, I think, it, I think it really is a good album and a very fun listen. And it is patchy and it is kind of inconsistent. But, you know, when it's good, it's real good. Mm-hmm. I am dying to hear the Rock and Tours album that's coming out oh this man, year. Oh man, yes. I'll agree with you there. That's an album of the year 2019 contender. Oh, already. Mm. Just just with Sunday Driver, their lead single.
0: Yep. Okay. Now I'm going to peel back the curtain a bit and say, Grant and I have really different note-taking styles. I write, like I wrote like 16, 1,700 words for this, but I barely ever use it. I use like a sentence here or there, and then I would go off on a tangent. But I have, like, a fully written, you know, one or two paragraph review of everything. So sometimes do, I like do to... you
1: write it out longhand, too? Like, I do yeah. point form for every... Oh, my.
0: Um, but I did want to read the beginning of this verbatim because I thought that it was important. I wrote this. My second favorite album of the year is Fight the Good Fight by The Interrupters. And I started off my little notes by saying, Sometimes I'm not as fun as I should be. I go to bed early, I eat vegetables, and I drive the speed limit, more or less. Fortunately for my boring tush, the interrupters are here to help in what is easily the most fun album to enter my ears since Alex Cameron, and maybe more so than that, because Alex Cameron had a little bit of an edge to himself. He's kind of dark. Yeah, <laughs> this album has really made me reevaluate, like very, like in a very serious way, like what it means to have a great album, because. I think I get too hung up on, and I think the music community as a whole gets too hung up on an album having to say something that's never been said before, like being forced into this forced or like this this mandatory originality. Um, say something new. Say it in a different in a different way than it was said before, or whatever. And the Interrupters doesn't do that at all. There's really nothing new on the album, but. It's so much fun. Like, I cannot listen to this album and not be in a good mood, like, no matter
1: what. The energy, both kinetic and emotional, is truly
0: contagious. It's amazing. And I've never had an album, I don't think, certainly not in the last three or four years, like this before, where I'm like, the reason it's good is because it's fun and, like, you can talk... And I have some notes here. Like, we were saying their drummer is fantastic. Yeah. Um, they borrow from a lot of really phenomenal artists, which you highlighted. You can talk about things like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the album is great because it's fun. You should listen to it because it's fun. I'm going to listen to more of the interrupters because they're super fun. Like, I love this album. And... Before I thought maybe, like when I first started listening to it, it's it's been a huge grower. I thought, you know, top five maybe. Then it started climbing the rankings. Then it hit second, but it was a distant second behind my first album, and I wonder what that's going to be. <laughs> um, but then, seriously though, over the last, I'd say, month, this album has steadily closed the gap between this and the number one album. And I don't think it would overtake it ever, but it's not far off my favorite album of the year, just because... What I said to Grant a while ago was it reminds me of music that I think I would have liked when I was in, like, grade eight. In reality, I think this is probably quite a bit better. Yeah. But it's the same sort of idea of, like, this, not even youthful, but, like, pre-youthful, like, almost childish sort of energetic music, like, you're just starting to discover the world, and you're just starting to discover that you don't want to put away your dirty laundry. <laughs> It's just music for, for a bright day and it's music for, um, and it's music for a dark day. That's the thing too. Yeah. If you're happy, it'll make you happier. And if you're sad, it'll make you happy. Yeah. And like I said to you, I, there, I think there are actually some pretty, um, emotional threads through it, but then emotional gets construed as sad or depressing, but this is emotional, like happy and euphoric and and I think that that's really actually underexplored in especially the kind of music that we listen to. You have some people like Vampire Weekend who's happy, but there's not that many artists that we listen to who you, are super happy. You go happy and look time. up
1: on my shelf my music collection up there and, and try and find something that's happy. You'll find Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds yeah, and, uh, and David Bowie, who actually, life on Mars.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But I wrote here also the thrashy beats give me life that's all there is to it it's a simple pleasure but that the simplicity of the pleasure should not downplay the like significant degree to which it pleases there
1: is something about that album that completely bypasses your um like uh pretensions yes. and everything and it plugs definitely. straight into the animal center of your brain that wants to dance. Definitely,
0: yeah. And I think I'll definitely listen to this album for years to come, probably tomorrow. once Since we're finished with all this, I'm going to start going through their back catalog. Um, standout tracks, they're actually, it's a remarkably consistent album. There are not many songs that I don't like yeah. on it. But I would say like three of my favorites are Title Holder, yeah. She's Kerosene, and Broken World. Broken World being more ska, Tidal Holder's a little bit more rock, and She's Kerosene would have a bit more reggae. Yeah. There you go. But it's like, you guys, if you have any love for ska or reggae or punk or anything, you've got to check it out. It's so much fun. It's so good.
1: Well, we've come to the number one slot on on our albums of the year, and this truly is the only album... That I have on my two pieces of paper here, freshly typewritten, <laughs> that uh, that would have been in
0: my top five in
1: either of our two preceding years.
0: I would say the same. I think honestly, the interrupters would be knocking on the door too. But yeah. this one, like, would be firmly one, in there.
1: This one, it's like it's not even a question. It's Earth Tones by Bahamas, and it is it is such. A gorgeous gorgeous album i was almost perfect almost. i was very i was cognizant of bahamas years ago probably when i was 17 or 18 when he came to play on cbc i listened to a lot of the cbc radio one the talk
0: we listened talk to it probably
1: from when we were 16 to 19 ish yeah or for me it would be like 12 to, to 15 yeah and it was on like literally constantly. Like I would, I would walk into our bedroom and just hit the radio, and CBC would just be on. Yeah. And uh, and I remember hearing Bahamas then, and I kind of just started playing guitar, and I thought, you know, he's he's pretty good, but you know, I really prefer music that's a bit more aggressive. It's a bit heavier. I like the heavier stuff. This is kind of a, foot crutch. a bit weak. Do you have any disciples on? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but as the as the years go by and as you kind of get a bit of nuance into your vocabulary, musically speaking, you 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 hope, uh, I kind of revisited him again a couple of years ago and watched a live performance and was very impressed by his guitar abilities, but it still just didn't stick for whatever reason. And then this album, Earth Tones, was recommended to me again by Liam, and, uh, and it really is it really is almost completely flawless and dad was right in every way. Yeah. Dad, dad knows best. Um, but it's, it's so hard to,
0: to describe an album this good. Do you know what I mean? With an album, uh, Lucy Dacus is probably the sweet spot, but that's like 80, 85% good, 15% bad. You have some things to contrast instead of, what do you say about an album where everything is good? Yeah. Like, do you let, go let Do you go through an itemized it. list and say, uh, "The instrumentation is good. I'm literally the I'm is looking good. at a,
1: it's eleven tracks, and uh, I like literally every single one of these songs.
0: My least favorite is so free.
1: Uh, it's probably my least favorite too. the The crazy thing about that song is it's one riff for the entire eight minutes, mm-hmm. and Every time I listen to that song, I honestly, truthfully, cognizantly go, this riff is going to wear thin with me. This is going to get repetitive, and it doesn't, Uh, which is crazy. Uh, It's a deeply personal record for a number of reasons. Uh, Bahamas is one guy, by the way, just solo you know. artist. He's he's not a it's not a band. It's it's one guy. His name's AFI Yervinen. and uh this is a deeply personal record. He s- talks about playing shows on opening act uh which are kind of undesirable and uh he doesn't really feel like being there. And on uh another track, I can't remember which one it is, he speaks about not being able to live up to maybe previous hits. He mentions a song Explicitly mentioned, Southern Drawl, which is a great song. Uh, It's got his classical guitar work, which is masterful. It doesn't at first glance seem masterful until you realize how restrained and tasteful, groovy, and playful it is. But he really is, and it's great guitar work in the vein of, and I know you and I have a bit of a disparity on this artist, but Neil Young, where it's humble guitar work. Uh, Neil Young is definitely a bit more razzy and a bit more uh, weird with his guitar work and his solos and stuff. But I really feel like there's kind of a kinship there in terms of, yes, I could play more. I could play flashy, but why would I do that when this feels right? Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciate hearing that and hearing that done so, so beautifully uh, it's got incredibly immaculately good songwriting. It's not, again, I will say again, it's not flashy. Uh, he's not going for big wordplay and he's not going for, uh, you know, Leonard Cohen style imagery or anything like that. But his imagery is pure and it's truthful and it really, um, serves his songs, uh, and his songs have an incredible flow. There's an incredible motion to them, and they don't become stagnated. Uh, something I mentioned I bothered me on Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino by Arctic Monkeys. Totally absent here. Most of his songs kind of hover around the four-minute mark, and they just have a beautiful uh, motion to them and movement to them, and they, they end just before you wish they would. And you wish that you could hear that melody once more. You wish that you could hear that chorus once more. You wish there was another verse. And that is the perfect spot to be in as a songwriter. Uh, S- way With Words is my favorite track off of this. Me too. Off like, of this album. it's How could it not be? It's so, so beautiful. And it's not beautiful in the same way as, you know, something that's melodramatic. A lot of these songs are fairly upbeat, they're a little groovy, um, they have this really appealing kind of shuffle to them, but all of the, No Depression is beautiful as well, it, it talks explicitly again about his struggles with depression and uh, has a beautiful kind of playfulness to the lyrics. But at the same time, he's talking about something that's real and something that's happened to him. And you can tell from the music and from his voice that he really feels strongly about this stuff. And it's personal. It means something to him. Uh, Bad Boys uh, Need Love 2 is about his absent father, which is something I didn't realize. That is a cool song. I love that song. But you don't realize it. It's almost sexy, that song. The, it's kind of got this um, R&B kind of inflection in it. And you really don't realize that he's talking about being abandoned by your father until you get into the lyrics and really listen to them. And then you realize after that that he's saying he still needs to extend love to his father even after, you know, he's been an absent parent. And that's, like, profound. And we listen to
0: an interview with him where he discussed he discussed that how he he doesn't like how we're in a culture of like endless blame kind of thing and he wishes he
1: said he he doesn't like how we're obsessed with wanting to separate the good people from the bad people
0: yeah and he wishes that we could um not have these people just get away scot-free but we could extend forgiveness to them and try and help them move on with their lives, you know, and, and go on to do great things. And yeah. I think that's, you want to talk about the two best things in music this year, it's that sentiment and, like, the interrupters just wanting you to be happy. Yeah. Those are the two most powerful things in music this year, yeah. I think. And the the
1: guitar work, the tonally, just to give you a bit of a description, there are elements, I mean, it's called Bahamas, they're kind of almost tropical hawaiian elements to his to his playing but it's mixed in there with kind of almost a, a spaghetti western feel at times just in terms of of a desert kind of vibe uh there's just straight up rock and roll kind of bluesy stuff and uh there's just a delightful timelessness to this music like this is where truly, we talk about
0: how great music is timeless.
1: It's truly timeless. It could have been put out any time in the last 50 years. This album will never age either. Uh, and I just don't know what else to say about it. He's, it's fantastic. And it closes off with the song Any Place, which is almost Leonard Cohen-esque. Um, I mean, he is singing in a lower register, but it's there's something about the hazy smoky kind of atmosphere that he projects and the the serviceable sturdiness of his poetry Mm -hmm. which is present throughout the album but uh yeah man what an album what like what an album
0: yeah it is obviously my number one album as well um and i won't belabor the point i think i'm gonna do my review like this okay I'm going to highlight the few flaws, such as I think there are, and I will highlight the things that I think are extra exceptional. But anything that I don't mention, you can just assume is great, because I'm not interested in just going through and giving you a list of different musical qualities, all of which are superb. Um, I think my favorite thing about the album is that, and you, you touched on this a little bit, His tracks are deeply personal and they're about his life experiences, but at the same time they are widely approachable and relatable and understandable to pretty much anybody and anyone will find something, not just something, but anyone will find um, relatable things in spades and, and something that that will help them out on a dark day or something that will help them out. If you're, This is another album that you could listen to if you're happy, if you're sad. It's yep. not an album for a specific emotion. And th- that he manages to achieve this level of approachability without giving up anything in depth or meaning of his songs, that is a testament to master lyrical craftsmanship that I think you very seldom see you know i mean alex cameron for example is another fantastic writer who i would put on the same tier or maybe maybe i would even say alex cameron's better but his lyrics are off the wall wacky they're not supposed to be relatable right yeah the same could be said of leonard cohen is at times relatable but a lot of times it's like we it's, had wine in paris it's and, a swooning european yeah, it's kind like of. things things that are relatable because you wish that they happened to you um but but bahamas feels at 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 the same time deeply personal to you even though you realize that he wrote it for himself you know
1: it's it's a, an album that is nourishing to the soul mm-hmm. like it it truly it really is i'm not saying that to be you know i'm not trying to just exalt it by saying that
0: um I think the length is perfect. You said that too. It's I see here it's eleven songs and forty-seven minutes. It's like I think that uh, the song So Free is the weakest link. But I don't know, it's fantastic still. It's still not Yeah. I don't skip it. I think if you put a gun to my head and made me find something bad about this album. I think it could have been further improved if there had been a bit more variance in terms of the songs. Like, they sound very similar. But at the same time, he still struck a good enough balance. I don't, like, I don't think that they really sound like... They have the same vibe, but that's a good thing. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm trying to come up that, with something bad, but I can't.
1: It's that the thing that all great albums have where they sound like they're one piece. And that was yeah. one thing you complained about with American Pleasure Club. And that, Lucy Dacus is like that yeah. Is that you can stray too far in either direction? You can have this disparate kind of tangle of genres, or you can have just this. The Milk Carton
0: Kids is pretty much all the same. That's a problem this with that
1: solid, album. Solid muddy brick that you just kind of pooped out. Um, and this is like a mosaic. This album. It's it's just it's a gradient. It's it's it really is. Yeah, I, I, you know, from the standpoint of listening to music, if you're at all into listening to music in albums, which obviously is the way to do it. Yes. Except no substitute. If you're a playlist kind of person, I'll slap you. There if are instances singles, where I use playlists. If you're a singles kind of person, I'll slap you. Yeah, but Also, if, you, if
0: you're a singles person, hit me up. You know what I'm yeah, saying? If <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but if you're at all, if you just want to hear an album start to finish in it and it's beautiful every song's great and uh and it moves you but it uplifts you but it can bring you to tears as well uh this this is it
0: yeah no need to belabor the point
1: yeah and i wish this guy was more popular
0: so last year what we did was we had a whole point system and we figured out what the albums of the years were uh like we figured out our ranking this year was totally different because we our lists were pretty different. I mean, there's obviously there's no question that Earth Tones is the brothership album of the year for 2018. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking for the rest of this
1: is probably number two, and then and then Boring probably Storyhouse would number three. Number three.
0: Okay, that's a good enough I'm official totally, list. Yeah, I'm totally yeah. satisfied with that. I think that if you're talking about like albums that that would be great regardless of the year they came out in probably interrupters and bahamas in my opinion at least are the only two like an album an album like boarding house reach or historian by lucy dacus are good albums but frankly it like it would have been buried last year both of those albums would boarding
1: have been... house reach would have been an honorable mention maybe so but yeah. then again so is mercury and lightning <laughs>
0: No, wait. Mercury and Lightning was my number five. It was my honorable mention. I'm such a screw-up. <laughs> okay. And that should lead us on to a note, for those of you, the hardcore homies who are still sticking around. God actually, bless you. probably a lot of people skipped ahead to this, because we should put in the description a time code for, like, when we start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: That's your job, by the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, one it's not things, in there. One of the things we want to do, I think we still want to do this in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Is revisit the albums of 2017. Because I think we did a good job, first of all, when we covered it initially. But it's such that year specifically was such a big topic because there is, um, and I'm not looking at a list. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I think there are six or seven great albums that year, in my opinion. Damn, um,
1: Sleepwell Beast,
0: Alex Cameron. Alex Cameron. This is a dangerous game. Gang of Youths, um, Mercury. Gang of Youths. Mercury great. and Lightning. Mercury and Lightning. I forget what else. That's uh, man that's five fantastic albums anyways yeah um we want to revisit 68 album coming out yes yeah um uh two parts viper yeah we want to discuss how it sat with us because i think at the time we said something along the lines i talked about a couple albums i know gang of Youths was like this where it grew on me over the months i listened to it yeah so i think we said then maybe in a couple months which so much for that we'll revisit it well it's been many months But I think that it would be really cool to see, you know, a year plus later, what albums do we still listen to? What albums do we feel like we underrated at the time? And what albums kind of lost their luster over time? And now it's like, you know, I don't really listen to that that much anymore. I think that's a cool idea. So
1: what we're saying is Brothership albums of 2017 revisited.
0: May or may not be the next episode. I don't know. But in a couple episodes.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe the... Second, yes, yeah. the one after the next one, yeah, something like that. Is that it? All, well, one oh. more thing. I, oh. I I just want to plug for my own personal game, yeah, uh, an EP that I released um, with a band of mine, which is myself and my good friend and brother in Christ, Randy Bowman. Uh, myself on voice and guitar, and Randy on drums, and we are Jewel Tones we released three tunes in January on January 25th and I'm really I'm really proud of them I'm very excited uh, they're on on uh, Bandcamp as we record this but they should be they should be on everything else as in let's see here like iTunes Apple Music YouTube Music Spotify uh, Amazon Music Google Play Pandora, whatever that is, what's this guy, Napster, it'll be on like literally everything um, shortly after this goes live probably, and uh, I would love it if you guys looked it up, it's Jewel Tones, live from the garage, and it's just three tunes that we recorded, and uh, And feel free to email in at, uh, is it uh, thegoodshipbrothership at gmail.com, I believe yeah you can email email in your reviews of my own music and we can read them live on this show in a kind of strange inception sort of thing
0: only if you say something bad about it though yeah
1: please do or jason will review it and be merciless yes so yeah i think that's pretty much it thank you so much for listening uh thanks for coming back to us if any of you have that's a wild assumption should we can we do a code i like doing these yeah i love those too uh, let's just say sea cucumber.
0: No, we've As done a...
1: that before, haven't we? No, we did something about a sponge. I mean, oh. who's, who's gonna listen to half this episode and go like, you know what, I bet you they reused that <laughs> code from a previous episode. I'm gonna randomly I'll just... Be like
0: be like, they've used another deep sea animal, like, what do you call those things? It's not... An enemy. No. It's like a cucumber, a cucumber, or, um, a piece of coral, like, they're animals... But they shouldn't be animals. Sea cucumbers are like that. Sponges are like that. What are you talking about? Like, my homies don't have eyes. (laughs) Sea cucumbers don't have feelings. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I don't understand why they're animals.
1: Um. okay so I think we've settled on the code being sea cucumbers so it's just you know is there not a term for that Jason I don't know Can you can message that sea cucumber to us on facebook uh, facebook.com I think slash uh, brothership or the good ship brothership you can just search the good ship brothership or brothership.pod on instagram yep and uh yeah just find us send that to us if you're listening here that way we know we should do another one of these um and until next time in which
0: we will discuss something really exciting i'm sure i kind of want to do beast of no nation for next episode i don't know for sure if we will it's kind of an interesting idea i don't know we'll see we'll
1: figure that out we should figure it out yeah definitely three days three minutes
0: yeah. Okay. What What we're trying to do here is we're trying to oh, make dear. Tuesdays podcasting days, and hopefully that keeps us more on track. Whether it works or not, I don't know. But it better. Whatever. It we'll is better. It is
1: better. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And peace out.
0: Bye.